a lot of the inspiration with the bright colors, I think has come from the work now leans towards these concepts of consumerism and escapism. And this idea that as a society, buying things essentially will bring us happiness. And then kind of when we're in these times of hardship, we buy things to kind of fill the void, right? Like we'll buy chocolate, we'll buy chairs, we'll buy furniture and jewelry. So I decided how can I bring this into a way that's going to have really bright, bright, bright colors. And I think for me, because I used to do dark work, I decided, no, I want to paint things that are really, really, really bright that are actually going to make me happy when I look at it. Hi there, my name's Willie Russo and you're listening to Interview with an Artist, the weekly show where we profile Australian artists. Britty M is a force of nature, just like her paintings. Full of life and energy and passion, the Gold Coast artist creates colour-filled works that stop you in your tracks. At 17, Britty held her first solo show, and it sold out. However, she left the easel behind and opened her own design agency after studying both fine art and architecture. With a 10-year absence from the art world, Britty decided the time was right to come back. And what a re-entry it's been. She was picked up by a gallery almost immediately and has seen her following grow year on year. It took us a few months to finally align our calendars, so you'll hear my exclamation at the start of the show. It's a wide-ranging conversation about her work and also the direction of the art world in general. Britty M joined me from her home on the Gold Coast for this week's interview with an artist. And before I let you get into it, if you enjoyed today's episode, you know the drill. Please rate, review and share. It's really a big help. Enjoy meeting Britty M. Hello, Britty. Hello, how are you? I'm good, how are you? Good. I'm so excited to talk with you. I'm good because I'm excited too. (laughs) My first question for you is, have you always been creative? Yes, from the very beginning, absolutely. I was like this kid that was literally either always drawing, like I think basically when I was five, I remember in school, there was always like, you know, the kids that could draw and I was one of those kids. Uh, And then I was always creating plays, dancing. Like I have the most wild imagination and you just couldn't stop me. So I've I've inherently been very creative. However, my mom's also creative. She's an architect. So I wonder if because she's a creative, when your modeling is from another creative that you sort of learn, because creativity is somewhat learnt. I don't know if it's necessarily inherited, So I wonder if also she had a bit of impact on growing up being so creative that I just naturally became creative. And you went down the architect path as well, didn't you, for a little bit? Yep, the architect path. And I still own my own design agency that does like graphic design, web design. Um, So I've kind of dabbled in everything across the creative board that's, you know, graphic design, architecture, like the whole anything creative, essentially. And then what was the catalyst to finally come back to the art world? Because you said you were you you were in art and, and very art driven in your late teens. Is mm-hmm. that correct? Yep. From 16 to about 23, I think it was. So I had my first solo when I was 16 and then I had a couple of solos following that. And then I think when I was about 22, 23 was when I decided, okay, I'm going to go into the architecture. I finished my fine art degree and then... It must have been about a 10-year gap there that I was still being creative, obviously, but just put the painting aside and then just decided one day I wasn't getting as fulfilled in the creative with the architecture or the um, graphic design. And I just had this massive itch to go back to painting. And then I just sort of thought, you know what, because I had this attitude of, 
when my company does this, I'll go back to painting. Or when I'm older, I'll go back to painting. And I kind of just went, you know what? There is no when anymore. We're going to do it now. So I just decided to go back in full time. Yeah, about a year and a half, two years ago. And how has it been since then? So good. Things I, I like so good because I had a lot of reservation going back in. I thought, oh, you know, how competitive is it? What do you have to do? Like, because I'd taken such a big space from it. But because of social media, it's actually been so much easier than I thought. And it's been, everything's just sort of flowed. Like, I mean, within the first year, I got represented by a gallery and then got offered a solo show. So it kind of just has been a really nice, slow, smooth progression. And I haven't had any hiccups yet. So, you know, touch wood, hopefully I don't have any more. But yeah, it's been, it's been really, really exciting. It's, it is always something to look forward to. Hasn't social media just revolutionized the way visual oh. artists can connect with an audience? Yeah, it's a, it's amazing. Like I, I so wish it was around, you know, back when I was 16, 17, because it would have just made such a world of difference. I know I follow artists and they're represented by galleries. And when they're about to present a show, they will announce it on their Instagram. And mm-hmm. the show will basically sell out before it actually opens in the gallery Mm -hmm. and I've said to a couple of artists before I was like how do you feel the gallery artist relationship is evolving because potentially that artist could have sold directly themselves and and, you know there's people like CJ Hendry who are bypassing that gallery avenue Mm -hmm. however in saying that her goal is to be represented by a major gallery one day yep nope that makes sense yeah it's interesting because it's twofold right like I kind of went I'm doing a little bit of both so that's what's been interesting is I knew because I come from a traditional background where I was I'm sorry excuse me in a fine art um it started with a solo show with a gallery and I also have a fine art degree so I started with more of that traditional background of you know you need to be in a gallery and you need to do this and this and this so when I went back out a year and a half, two years ago, I went to social media and thought, I'm going to do this privately. But then I had this gallery reach out and say, can we represent you? So I thought, okay, this will probably be good because the benefit of the gallery is they have a database of yeah. art collectors. So I'm kind of hoping to straddle both worlds. I, I, I've sold privately as well as being represented. So I'm kind of thinking the gallery has its benefit because of its database, but selling privately also has a benefit too, because then you have a little bit more control. So with this and and also the commission side of things right exactly like... but then there's other artists where I realized too is I'm not sure if you've heard of her name's Ashley Longshore she's a really big artist that's from America and she does pop art too she refuses to go into a gallery she's like I will not go into a gallery for, to take commissions etc um, but what she's done is she's built a team of probably oh, I say 20 people and they're all of her sales staff and she gives them a commission of 30 percent for anyone who sells her work so wow. doing a similar model, they just haven't gone into a gallery. So because to get her work out there, she has a sales team. So it is interesting. You kind of always have to give a little bit, I think, to be able to kind of get a little bit further when that's kind of what the gallery model, I guess, does as well. Yeah. And there's, um, you know, one of the artists I was talking to about this, she was saying that being placed in a gallery kind of places you in a certain either genre or style or um, not even genre or style, but a certain kind of um, level of art. Yes. Yeah. That's where I think it's like, you've got your different galleries and it's um, I think 
some obviously you've got like those huge big galleries the ones that are in the states there's a couple in london um that if you get into a gallery that's of that caliber it can completely change the game for you so that's yeah. where i think your, your goal with most artists would be to be represented because then it starts to just become a whole different game you've got a whole different collector base and then you've got a whole different price range and then it starts going to auction houses and that's like you know the big big leagues so <laughs> Yes. Oh my God. Yes. That's where we're heading. That's where we're heading. You watch this space 10 years. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. Can you remember a piece of work that you saw throughout your creative career that was done by someone else that really spoke to you? Yes. And I'm also just going to say, P.S., just a disclaimer, I talk really, really quick. So if I'm talking too fast, let me know. But when I get oh, no. when I get really excited, I start speaking really, really fast. And some people are like, does she have ADHD? And I don't. I'm just speaking really quick. So just let me know. I love it. No, I mean, I can understand you. I, I, I'm totally across everything you're saying. Um, okay. An artist. Uh, yes. Yeah, so this might be a bit cliche, but I am obsessed with Yayo Kusama. Um, oh yes I like read her biography I watched her documentary there's just because I love polka dots a lot of my work that when I first started back two years ago was a lot of polka dots based but this her work her ability uh I know she has like obviously she's in a a mental um got a few mental problems going on but her ability to translate even if it's like an issue that she has with some sort of mental illness to translate it into these amazing paintings and they're, they're almost like psychedelic. And what mm. the thing is what I've been watching is if you watch this thing, um, have you heard of artists called visionary artists? They no. think kind of what they see and it can be through like, you know, meditation or something like that. But her ability to paint these, like they almost look abstract, but they have a very big similarity to some of the indigenous art with dot painting as well. And if you look at some of these other ancient paintings that are across like South America with visionary visionary artists, they all kind of have this similar theme. So I'm like, I don't know what this woman is tapping into, but I'm just fascinated by her. And you did a really cool piece of her. Oh yeah. I'm just, I, I absolutely love her. I just, I find I'm just really curious about how her mind works. Yeah. Yeah. I, I remember reading, maybe correct me if I'm wrong, but I remember reading like she gets, her studio is across the road from the mental institution. Yeah, so she totally. goes out every day yeah. and paints and yeah. then goes back into the mental institution. Yeah, at night. It's, it's incredible. I'm just like, good on her. Like to be, I mean, her painting is probably what's keeping her so sane. And I'm just like, I just find it I just so, so fascinating. I mean, I guess a lot of artists have mental mental bouts because we're so creative so I guess it's uh, it's across the board with most creatives I tend to find that they they all have really deep thinking well yeah and I think you I think to to be putting something out there you need to be tapping into your emotion and your kind of you know subconscious almost I get the feeling that that's possibly what she and you know Mm. um indigenous artists from various countries around the world they're tapping into another layer that most of us are never even are never even reaching right totally and I I think the thing is interesting is I think most people can because I've read a whole bunch of books on creativity and I'm like what is creativity where does it come from is it learned is it not and I think it's that most people are just so afraid they don't want to, whereas a lot of artists tend to just be very vulnerable or they're willing to make a lot of mistakes constantly because they're constantly putting themselves out there and they constantly have to evolve and adapt, which I think is just it's a, just a, a bit of a yeah, vulnerability that most people sometimes don't want to do. But I think most creativity can somewhat be learnt if it's yeah, so- an age. 
Yeah, and so the creativity can be learnt, but then how would you say you've always had a thick skin in terms of putting yourself out there and mm. copying whatever feedback comes or is that something you've developed as you've grown? No, that's something that I've always had. But again, it could be my upbringing because I have my mum who's just very, uh, what's the word? She's very stoic for one, but she's also very... Um, open to feedback and I guess no maybe this is something that I have I've always been the person even in university I remember being a student that I was always like okay let's go to the top grade like top marks but I was also the person that would then go to the lecture and say okay rip apart every single thing and tell me everything that I can improve on oh wow yeah like okay cool how do I improve I've never been a oh of course I have moments where I'm like my work's so bad I hate this I'm such a loser etc etc but tend to then go cool pick it apart and tell me how I can get better which is maybe my perfectionism in me but that I've always had since I was a kid it's always the how do I get better does that ever tire you yes absolutely because what happens is I can tend to go 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 and then you kind of need to like reset and, and chill out a little bit because when you're constantly because I'm such a curious person by nature I'm always reading or problem solving or looking at other artists or it's, it's just constant. So I've got to really, really make sure that I take a lot of time to like slow down because otherwise I burn out really quick because I'm so high energy. Yeah, so it, right. It's I'm mindful of. Yeah. When did you start calling yourself an artist? Oh, that's a good question. Oh, I did when I was 17 because of my first solo show and the whole thing sold out. And I remember thinking, but you're 17, you're so naive. But I remember thinking, okay, I'm an artist. Then I remember a few years after that, I had a couple more solos, but they didn't sell out. And I remember having such a big feeling of defeat because my first solo ever had sold out. So then I remember thinking, oh, I don't want to call myself an artist anymore because I didn't sell out. Like I had that level of perfectionism going on. And then um, for probably that 10 years that I stopped, I was, I cringed when I used to be introduced to people because they knew I was an artist when I was younger some family members or some people that would see me a few years later, they'd be like, oh yeah, how's the art going? Are you an artist? And I'd be like, no, 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 I'm not an artist. No. And I would just literally cringe and deflect it immediately. And it wasn't until I decided like, I, it was this funny switch that went off in about 2017 or 18. And I just sort of thought, no, I'm going to claim that I'm an artist and you're going to become an artist. And it, I just had to really mentally switch my mind, my mindset and go, nope, you're an artist. Like, we're going to do this. And since then, I'm now like, I'm an artist. Even if I'm cringe when someone says it, I'd like do the whole Superman pose. And it's like, no, I'm an artist. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. Oh my God. So your first solo show at 17 sold out. That is phenomenal. Do you remember selling a a first individual piece or was it just every piece in that show that sold? I remember the very first particular one because it was in the solo that I had, but I remember um, on the Gold Coast, the the Bulletin, it's like a newspaper, um, they did an article about my solo that was going to be opening. And I remember the following day I went to the the show place and I hung all the work up. And I remember this woman, I still to this day don't know who she is. I would have loved to have known walked into the um, the little gallery space and said, oh, I saw this article about this young girl who's doing a solo. And she looked around the room and she's like, I want to buy that piece. And I kind of was just like, what? And she literally bought it within like 10 minutes of the work going up on the walls. And then, yeah, it got sold. So, and I still to this day don't really know who she was because she came in, bought the work and then kind of left. <laughs> oh, wow. And I remember so distinctly what work it was because I remember thinking it was my favorite piece of the show and she just bought it. And I remember kind of being in this surreal moment of like, 
oh, okay, cool. She just bought a work. Because at 17, I don't think you understand. One, you don't, I, I didn't. I didn't understand finances necessarily. And two, I didn't understand kind of what a solo was because it was just this like, cool, we're going to go do a solo show because my art teacher was so like, hey, you should do one. And it, <laughs> I, I really didn't completely understand the magnitude of it until now. And now I look back and I'm like, my God, girl, like a solo out show, like that's amazing. Most people don't have that happen. <laughs> Sorry, it was yeah, a bit surreal and I'm, I'm I'm glad that it happened though. Yeah, I mean, if that's not a sign to keep going, then I don't know what is, right? But then as I said, the following years when I went and did a couple more solos, they didn't have the same level of success. And I, I, I think it was because I just didn't have the level of self-belief. Like I, I yeah. really believe I could do it. Yeah. Do you remember when you say you remember the piece, what was it? What was it a painting of? So the first paintings, that's what I mean. They are so different to what I do now, completely different. They were abstract sort of backgrounds and they were very dark colours, like dark browns, blacks, greys. Um, I used a lot of shellac, so it was a little bit more mixed media. Um, shellac's like a, a medium that you can put over top that you, they use it on furniture sometimes it's like dry I was gonna say is, is that the nail polish stuff <laughs> no it's kind of similar but they use it on furniture and bits and pieces it's like a brown color and it's like these flakes and you dissolve it in methylated spirits and then you can pour it onto the artwork so I was using that and I'd be using string and lots of like impasto paste so they're really textured works and then they always incorporate a black and white image of a nude woman oh beautiful they were really beautiful pieces, but so different to what I paint now. So yeah, massive contrast. But I remember the first piece she sold. It was a the what? Sorry, the first piece I sold was yeah this mixed browns, whites, and greys, and it had this nude down the side. And a lot of the nudes were based off of um. There's an artist, a very famous old artist. He's a photographer called Helmut Newton, and I'm oh, yes. obsessed with his um photography. So I based a lot of the women, the female figures, off of that. They'd all be nude, and they'd be wearing red shoes. And so you, now your work is very bright. Um, where where do you get your inspiration from now? Um, hmm, interesting. Well, it's inspired one from pop art and then two, my graphic design background and architecture background with all of the structure. So that's why the works now have that digital aesthetic because I've just been in the space for so long. And I think when I went back into painting, I thought, how can I paint one, because I used to do abstract, I wanted to then challenge myself and paint much more structurally. So that's why they ended up becoming more fine detailed. I never in my life thought I'd be able to paint the way that I'm painting now. Like I just did not think it was possible. And then um, a lot of the inspiration with the bright colors, I think has come from the work now leans towards these concepts of consumerism and escapism. And this idea that as a society, buying things essentially will bring us happiness. And then kind of when we're in these times of hardship, we buy things to kind of fill the void, right? Like we'll buy chocolate, we'll buy chairs, we'll buy furniture and jewelry. So I decided how can I bring this into a way that's going to have really bright, bright, bright colors. And I think for me, because I used to do dark work, I decided, no, I want to paint things that are really, really, really bright that are actually going to make me happy when I look at it. So that's kind of how it's evolved. And they do make people happy because I can tell you every time I look at your work, I'm like, oh, <laughs> it is just these beautiful pops of colors and patterns. And um, I loved the dog head series that you did. Uh, yeah, awesome. That's so good. Yeah, that's I'm, I'm really glad you said that because I still own there's about four pieces that I still have that didn't sell probably because I stopped advertising them. I just took them, I completely pulled them off because I honestly wasn't sure if they were something that I was going to keep continuing or not. So yeah. Yeah. There's, there's, they're really cool and very, and they're very fun, they're fun. You know, yes, they're really fun. Yeah. 
what do you do to get out of a creative funk? Um, okay. So this is what's really interesting is this was my biggest battle starting up again is I was like, what do I paint? How do I paint? I don't know how to get the creative ideas flowing. What I realized is just start. The, the best way to get creative again is to one, I actually then start going and doing more things. So I'll go to the shops or I'll go on a hike or I'll go do something outdoorsy or I'll go and start a new hobby. The more that you cast a wider net on the activities that you're doing, the more inspiration you have to draw upon. So I'll always go make sure I start something new or do something that's going to break myself out of my normal routine because then it's going to spiral something. Then the second thing is just start, just start drawing and doodling or anything. doesn't matter what it is, start something because once you start, you'll notice that the mind will start to then connect more dots and things can start flowing a little bit better. So that's kind of my go-to is just start it and go do something new that's going to, you can draw the inspiration from. I remember seeing advice from a writer. I think it was Elizabeth Gilbert. I'm not 100% oh, sure. So <laughs> but she, she was like, you actually just need to show up to your desk. Yep. Like for, so for writers, and I'm kind of going to lay that across the, the artist studio as well, but yep. you just need to show up at your desk every day totally. at the same time. Totally. And creativity will meet you there. Yeah, yeah. I've read a book. Yeah, Big Magic. It's yes. Oh, such a good book. Yeah, I was. That's what I mean. I've started researching a lot more about creativity because I was, I was in a funk really bad two years ago because I wanted to go back to painting so bad but didn't know how to start. And I read her book and then I just started realizing, huh, like the more experiences that you do and the more you just sort of show up, it it really does start to snowball and then you just get on a roll and then you're like, huh, I've got this idea popping up and this idea popping up and then it kind of just flows. How do you know when a piece is done? Mm, okay, so my practice is a little bit different. Like because I sometimes digitally produce my works before I even paint them, I'll end up knowing exactly what it's going to look like before I even paint it. So mine can end up being a little bit more technical, which I guess is where some of that architecture background comes in because if it's digitally done, then I draw it up onto the canvas and then I paint it. I know exactly where it's going. Obviously, there's things I, I change along the way, but I have a pretty good sense because it's almost like filling in all of the colors. Yes, okay. My practice is a little bit different because some people I know just show up to the canvas and they just kind of go, which is what I used to do when I was, you know, that, that 17 age to 22. But now I've made it a very structured practice that's, you know, design the work beforehand, not always, but usually design the work beforehand and then execute it. So it's it's really once that last color gets blocked in, you're like that that painting's finished. Who's your biggest fan? Oh, my mom. <laughs> <laughs> my mom is hands down like the biggest cheerleader ever. She's actually she she actually works in my studio with me because of her background, and she's not retired, but she's semi-retired. Um, she's so good with like a camera. She's so good with even some creative ideas. I'll run them past her and she'll just sort of be like, well, what if you did this? And it's just, yeah, no, she's my biggest cheerleader hands down. I'm sure it's a very exciting phase for her as well. I think so. Yeah, definitely. Because she's in that older chapter of her life too. And it's just sort of, it's crazy. She's kind of getting a new flair on the creativity. So yeah, and it's so handy. She does my D hooks on the back of my paintings. Like she just, she's massive, massive help in my studio. Who's your biggest critic? Oh, okay. Uh, my husband, but not in a bad way. Um, he's definitely my biggest critic. He's a designer as well, but he's in UX design, so user experience design. But he has this like very analytical mind where he's able to think like five steps ahead. 
So he's the person that if I go to him and I'm like, what do you think of this? And he'll be so honest and blunt of like, that's not working. And I'll be like, oh man. And then he'll be like, you should do this, this and this. So he's actually come up with so many clever ideas where if I didn't have him, it probably wouldn't go in some of the direction that it's gone in. Like he was the one that actually very in the beginning with the dog heads was like, I was sketching dogs and he's like, why don't you try putting these on shirts? And then why don't you try this? Like he just interjects these small bits and pieces. So he's like, he's like the, the critic, but it's been really positive because he's the opposite to my mom. My mom's is all like, yeah, this is amazing. This is so fun. (laughs) He's more the like, really like, no, let's get really practical. Like what's this going to do? So yeah. (laughs) That's good. And it's also nice that he, he comes with solution as well. Right. Like he doesn't just go, Oh, Brittany, no, that's, that color's all wrong. No, it's always solution orientated. And it's always pushes me. Like there's the amount of times I've walked away, like a little tantrum five-year-old, like, "Hmm, why don't you like it? But then literally the next day I'll come back and I'll be like, ah, okay, I get it. It's going to, I've got to push the work further. So he's the, he's really beneficial in being the, the critic because he pushes me into areas that I probably wouldn't go to yet. So I'm really grateful for that. What does life outside of the studio look like? Uh, <laughs> is there a life outside of the studio? There hasn't been. Well, there usually is. So I'm actually a really active person. I go to like yoga and I go to dancing. And then I've also still run my design agency at the same time as well. Um, Cause I just don't want to close it. And my husband is in the design agency. That's where he does his contracts doing UX design from that company. But with COVID, I've literally been in my studio all day, every day, not doing anything else. So this year has been the most studio time I've ever done because there's nothing else to do. And I have a show to prepare for obviously too, but outside of it, it's, yeah, it's a lot of things that are more, yeah, dancing, yoga. Um, I like eating out at nice restaurants, not because of the, they're fancy, just because I love food. So. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, I mean, like I will often say, fine dining is wasted on me, but the combinations that they think to put together in a fine dining restaurant. Like I would never, (laughs) I would never do that at home. Yeah. I don't cook that well. So that's why when I go to like a nice restaurant and they've got these nice flavors and these yummy foods, that's the only reason I like going to restaurants is because the the stuff just tastes so good. Yeah. (laughs) And where would you like to see your work take you in a couple of years? Okay. I'd love to be represented by one of the big, big top sort of 20 galleries in 10 years time um I'd love to eventually collaborate there's an artist called Andy Dixon his work that's it's a little bit similar to mine he paints a lot of luxurious items as well different styling though um but he ended up collaborating with Versace recently on one of his paintings I think was actually printed on their men's suit range so I would love to collaborate with a designer at some point um big gallery collaborate with designer just just go bigger I'd love to have bigger shows um make them more installation based as well anything that's just going to be creative really I just want to be able to just go as big as I can with all of their creativity that I've got access to and just keep pushing the boundaries because as I said I'm so curious and it's always like I tend to not it can be a good thing but a downfall but every time I'm finished with a work you know, people be like, oh, the work looks great. And I'm like, yeah, no, it could be better. Like I'm, I'm, I'm my worst critic actually because I'm always like, it could be better or yeah, cool. That's done. Now what? Like I'm always thinking way ahead. So I do need to sort of stop sometimes and be like, you know, give yourself a little bit of a pat on the back. <laughs> because yeah. En- enjoy. I mean, it's great that, you know, you, you, so you're about the creative process, right? Which I, I think is always the sign of a true artist in that it's always like, 
what's next? What's my next project? Yeah. Where am I putting this creativity next totally. rather than here's the finished piece, let's sit back and adore it? Totally, um, yeah. No, I'm already <laughs> halfway through when I'm finishing a painting, I'm already like, oh, what's the next one going to be like? <laughs> and do you paint to music, to podcast? What are you listening uh, to? It depends on the mood. Sometimes it's music, um, sometimes it's podcast, sometimes it's an audio book, sometimes it's silence. Yes. Okay. You can kind of just tune into the painting. Yeah, exactly. It gives you more of a focal point. So you're not so much distracted by what you're listening to. Brittany M, thank you so much for joining us on Interview with an Artist. It's been so awesome chatting with you. No, thank you so much. I had so much fun.